Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Lindsay, and she is a former CIA agent. And also, I found her on TikTok. She is now the disinformation gal, and I want to welcome her to my show. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate you asking me to be on. Well, you are very interesting to me, and I've had a lot of my listeners go, okay, you got to ask her this, you got to ask her that. And I'm like, listen, I'll ask her what I can. We'll see what she, she may have to kill me first. We'll find out. So, (laughs) but first thing that I wanted to ask you was, how did you even get into the CIA? What made you do this? Oh yeah, that's actually, that's a really good question. Um, So I actually, I started off at the FBI and that was my first, I guess, government job per se. And I worked on their joint terrorism task force for a few years. And in that experience, you get to talk to like people from all the different agencies. And um, I decided like that I would try to go over to the agency because of just, you know, experiencing those types of like individuals and stuff. And so I was able to move over and kind of had a really awesome experience and was in the director of operations at the agency. So it's one of those like weird things like you do go through sort of their application process as well. Anyone can apply online if they'd like. But yeah, it was like it. Yeah, it was kind of one of those experiences. I know everyone has a different one. (laughs) Did you go to school for something like that? Or did you just go, I'm interested in the background of how, you know, things work within the government. I think I'm just going to try this. Um, My academic background was the former Soviet Union. So uh, Russia in the near abroad. And so I have languages in those areas, and um, that was really appealing when I applied for um, initially the FBI. I originally actually wanted to go into the military, but I have a banged-up knee, and so I couldn't. And so then it was either the Air Force or the FBI. It was whoever got back to me first and ended up being the FBI. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So FBI it is. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to get this out of the way now because I'm going to ask you about the Ukraine and all the things. So I have friends (laughs) who would love to know when you went into the CIA, is it like the movies when you have to like dress up in those sexy dresses and go out and act like you're somebody else just to, you know, to capture the guy? Yeah, it's not like the movies at all. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot more paperwork. <laughs> oh, well, that's not fun. Okay, so. I know. Yeah, and, yeah it's, it's definitely not like the movies at all. I mean, there's some experiences where you, you dress up nicely, I guess, like the movies and then others where you're not and people you know tend to look like your average person I know people will look at me and I don't look like what they imagine someone to have worked there looking like and so that's always interesting but yeah it's definitely it would be nice I guess if it were like the movies that would be nice but it's not so did you have to go undercover a lot or was it more of a administration kind of situation? What did you do? So I was a targeting officer and the director of operations. So there's a few different positions. I know it's not as glamorous in the movies, but with that job, you do travel, you do like operational work, you do a lot of like data analysis as well. And so you do a lot of, you know, going through large amounts of data to find very important pieces of information that's really helpful as well. And so 
there's other positions too, like case management and stuff like that, that, you know, people do as well. But my job was more the data job, (laughs) essentially. Yeah, Yeah. no, and that's good. So, but are you privy to private information that most of the world population wouldn't know? I mean, in that job, when you're, you know, working for the government, you do have that type of access. I unfortunately can't go into those details, okay. but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I was going to go there. So, and I'm going to ask and you can just say, I don't know, or I can't answer. So one of them, uh, well, a few of them wanted to know if you know anything about what happened with the Philadelphia experiment. Oh yeah. I, I can't answer any of that, okay. but I, I know I get asked like the strangest questions on things because Yeah, there's definitely, it is interesting what people ask. The CIA's website, they actually have a lot of stuff on there. Oh, do they really? Okay, okay. I recommend searching now. I'm surprised half the time what's on there. Oh, um, really? Well, that's good to know because, you know, I was going to ask you about the Illuminati and Bohemian Grove and just if you knew anything about those things or if you could even talk about those things. I don't know if you can. Is that kind of stuff on the website as well? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to look. But I, I haven't actually searched for the Illuminati on their website that would be interesting to see what's there yeah yeah i don't even know if that stuff's real it's just i told him i would ask and so i did so there you go so but what i really loved about your page and the things that you cover i love that you're a disinformation guru and you do that now for a living you're no longer with the cia so tell me what you do now and what your position is Yeah. So right now I actually kind of run my own consulting firm and I work primarily on combating disinformation and providing like open source intelligence analysis uh, for small businesses and startups and some law firms and whatnot. And so, you know, it's kind of like two sides there, like with the consulting and then trying to educate people on how to combat disinformation on like the general public so it's really important especially now and then helping like small businesses understand that disinformation can also impact them and working on ways that they can also combat it too. I don't do any sort of creating or anything like that. It is strictly like countering and combating. Right, right. Because there is a difference between misinformation and disinformation, correct? Yes, there is. Explain that to my listeners. So misinformation is simply false information. It sometimes can have an intent behind it, but Normally, it's just, you know, false information. I know a lot of people find that to be insidious or think that it's insidious, but most often or not, it's just like information that wasn't fully reported accurately. But information, it's not just false information. It's false information spread with the clear intent to mislead a particular audience to commit a certain action. So there's multiple parts in that. And so there's definitely a lot more misinformation out there than disinformation. And disinformation is harder to suss out. But although now with technology, it's getting much easier and quicker. But it's more, I characterize it as more insidious because there's an intent behind it. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. And I think there is a definite difference. Uh, absolutely. And we can get into that in a minute. Now, I know that you lived in Russia, you know the Russian language, and you studied there as well. So tell me about that time. 
Oh, well, I actually lived in the near abroad area. So okay. like former Soviet Republic, like I spent some time um, actually before my government days, I spent some time living in the Czech Republic, okay. which was really, you know, wonderful. I did some graduate study work there and I speak multiple languages in that region. And so I'm very familiar with that region and have spent many portions of my career as well, traveling kind of around the area and other regions as well. It's one of my favorite areas in the world. Yeah. Oh, it looks absolutely beautiful. And I, before everything started happening, you know, with the Ukraine and everything, um, it's so beautiful there. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. And the architecture there is gorgeous. And of course, it's been there for centuries and centuries. So tell me your thoughts about what's going on right now in the world, because this may be a bonus episode that I may just go ahead and release early since we're kind of in the throes of everything. And you speak the language, you know, the culture, you lived it. So what are your thoughts about that? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a loaded question. Yeah, no, um, many thoughts. I know there's a lot of people with, you know, opinions about comparing it to other types of conflicts that the world has seen. But it it is heartbreaking to see in one person, like essentially Putin. I I don't blame the Russian people at at all, but it's Putin wanting to attack a relatively peaceful country. And yes, like Ukraine has its issues, like every America has its issues that they have to work out and whatnot, but it doesn't give another country the right to just attack. Absolutely not. So there's an issue there. And I, I will say like that goes to like, for me, that goes to other countries as well. Like there's an issue if there's a country that is just purposely trying to attack one. And that's the issue I have here. And then on top of like the history of the region where the borders have been more porous and fluid in the history of this region just because of aggressive countries like Germany during World War II as well as Russia previously. Mm-hmm. It definitely, you know, makes those countries very nervous when Russia does things like this. And it definitely has heightened the awareness and fear in all of Eastern Europe as well, because when you attack or invade one of them, it's similar to doing that to all of them. Absolutely. And which again, it's just heartbreaking because it shouldn't be allowed. But oh, and you know, you know, let's let's call Putin what he is. He's a monster. In 1991, I think is when some of the countries left the Soviet the Soviet Union or the Soviet Republic. I'm not sure how it worked with the, some of those countries leaving the actual Soviet Union. Yes, most of the countries kind of formed independent states after the fall, essentially. And the two years following that, or three years, um, each of those countries did form their own country. And, you know, for whatever reason, he decides he wants to unite everyone again, if nothing else, just have power over people and their government, which is, you know, you're one of the richest men in the world. You have everything why do you need this? I don't understand. And they're not part of NATO. So we really can't get involved. We can help as much as we can, but we can't get involved. We don't want to go to war. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I I know it's a I'm glad I'm not a decision maker in this. (laughs) I know it is so stressful because like on one hand, you can't let Putin do what he's doing. Like it's brutal. It's very barbaric and, you know, wrong on every level, essentially what's going on there. But then you also have the NATO countries as well that have to consider their people, too. And it's just a very difficult situation. And there's no easy answer either. And so I think that's why we're seeing many NATO countries not 
initiating like the no fly zone because that would escalate the conflict and you know making certain decisions here and there and I'm just holding out that the hope we have is something internally prevents Putin from going further something of that effect I think might be happening in the sense that I think today the United States and many other NATO countries also are not doing any imports from Russian oil companies and so that's going to be a big deal, and that will greatly impact the internal situation. And McDonald's pulled out of Russia, and Coca-Cola is pulling out, apparently, So, um, or rumors of it. I haven't seen confirmation yet, so unless that already happened. But yeah, so it's definitely a very stressful time. Well, and if I understand it right, a lot of the Russian people don't really know what Putin is doing because he's not giving them, he's giving them the disinformation that exactly what you do for a living now. So tell me what you what you think about that, because, you know, you have like there's three types of propaganda you said on one of your videos. Um, I don't know if that applies to this really, but I, I just I can't imagine that they don't understand or they don't know, you know, but I do know that some of the apps aren't even letting the Russian people get access to it. Now, I know TikTok has taken theirs down. I think I heard that the other day. Am I right? Yeah, I've heard that. But I don't know if they because I've seen many Russians on TikTok. So I, I don't necessarily know unless they're using VPNs. I'm not sure if that's been instituted yet. But there definitely is propaganda and disinformation kind of machine and activity going on internal to Russia, where there is evidence that there's a lot of pro-war propaganda, although calling it a war, it's still military operation. And then there's another side of the coin that's saying there is no conflict at all. And I've started to notice that seep into like Western media, like rather more far right conservative media channel also picking up those things and that's where it becomes dangerous it's when disinformation if Putin attended it solely for the Russian people it's now going to be you know spread across the world just because of how connected things are right because I do know that you go on and you on TikTok and you look at the far right you look at the far left Um, and, and if we could all just kind of meet in the middle a little bit, as opposed to being so far one way, this world will be so much better. And unfortunately we've got people that are believing absolute nonsense. And then we've got other people believing other absolute nonsense and it creates this bunch of BS, to be honest with you. Right. I agree. And then you have people that think that it can only happen to one side and it's not their side. And that's the problem too, because I have to deal with that on a daily basis almost, because I think in one of my earlier videos, I I stress how the pendulum swings. So it's happening on the right side, it's going to happen on the left sooner or later, and it already is. And likewise, so I think people need to recognize that. And yeah, that's a whole other conversation pertaining to like people's ego of, you know, what admit that they can believe something like that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something else that you may or may not be able to answer me. Do you remember, I guess it was last, it was last year, year before, when the government decided they would disclose their UFO information. Um, and that we really didn't get a whole lot of answers, or maybe we did. I just maybe didn't look hard enough. So what are your thoughts about that? Oh, yeah, that was so disappointing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was really excited because it was two weeks into the pandemic. Yes. They release like UFOs are a thing, and it's just like, well, duh, everyone. Yeah. I mean, 
everyone thinks that. So welcome to the club. And then they were going to release this mega report, supposedly. And then it ended up being the same old thing that they had released quietly in March, it seemed. And I was looking forward to it, too. Like, I'd like to know about aliens. Like, why can't they release something like that? I know I get asked about aliens all the time. And I know as much as you probably do. And I was really excited to see what they were going to say. But right. And you know, I I've heard so many things on either side. But I've heard people say, you know, if we get too far, the aliens are going to intervene, and they're going to do this and this and this for us. And then I hear other people saying, they're already walking amongst us. And, you know, all this stuff. And I don't know what to believe. All I know is I have to use my brain and my (laughs) and my sense of just, you know, discernment and go, okay, this is a little wacko and this might be true or whatever it is. Right. So, but yeah, it was so disappointing. And I was just like, okay, that gave us nothing. So what you hyped us up for nothing, but you know, one thing that really intrigued me on one of your videos, you answered a question about, you know, how you can stitch someone and they say, what is something you're almost a hundred percent sure. And then you said that TikTok is really just a, a sense of distraction for most people. That must have been one of my earlier ones. Yeah. Oh. Now that I think, it, I think it was an earlier one and you're like, I think you're like, I'm very distracted. You're doing a good job. But uh, you said it's it's kind of a distraction and it might be because look at all the stuff Putin's done and kind of got away with things, you know? Yeah. And people go to TikTok for their news, which can be very dangerous yes. too. Oh, yeah, because people just scroll, they don't necessarily vet, and there's a danger there. But yeah, no, I have found even in my personal life, you know, I'll sit here and scroll. I'm sure everyone does at some point. And then before you know it, it's been like two hours, and all you've done is like scroll and you could have been doing so many other productive it does take the production away from the day I know (laughs) like my I think I I meant with that video like will that mean like people that should be doing productive things like doing political campaigns or human rights work or you know xyz whatever that could be spending time with your kids yeah (laughs) yeah they're just scrolling now and things like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just interesting. You know, it is interesting to me that uh, it's a Chinese app and we're so enthralled with it. So do you think um, we have any kind of control over it or is it all just completely the Chinese that are taking care of TikTok? Do you know anything about that? Um, I only know a little bit about it in the sense because I, when it first came out, I was trying to really figure out who owns a lot of it and the algorithm essentially and what we know is like the effective parts of TikTok are owned by like ByteDance, the parent company, which is a Chinese based company. And there are components in the US. And I know there's been talks of companies like Walmart trying to buy out TikTok. And I'm not entirely sure where those discussions are, or at least have that US component component of it but it is interesting because it is a like foreign essentially owned app but there are other foreign apps that people use too it's just this one takes a lot of information from people and you know it's associated with China which is a big country so yeah, yeah I mean it it's gonna be interesting to see what the future of the app will be especially if the United States and other Western countries enact like foreign influence operation regulations and laws because I know there's been discussions about those mm-hmm. and how that might play into the ownership of TikTok as well as in addition to like sanctions and things like that, because the U.S. could very well sanction Chinese businesses. Right. And there we go with TikTok. So it's definitely and that almost happened under Trump. 
So right. Well, they they are an ally to Russia right now, so we have to be careful with that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, I also know you're a writer, so tell me the things that you're working on right now. Yeah, so I'm currently working on a book, actually, on disinformation. And I know there's a few books out there already on disinformation, but this one is a little different where I not only walk people through like the different types of disinformation and how that can be impactful, but I focus more on what we can do about it and like um, trying to um, not just educate, but like empower people because there's only a few people that are educating on disinformation and it's really important for people to feel empowered to fight it themselves as well and to recognize it and know that they can do that. And so that's what that book is focusing on. And I have a few articles that I have in draft and I'm waiting to kind of edit them and going to work on publishing those as well. Those are like the main projects, actually. Well, it's kind of a an information kind of guide to where this is how you do it, or this is how you handle this situation. Um, this is the best way, or how you you know handle disinformation versus misinformation, the propaganda theories, all those conspiracy theories, those kinds of things. Yes, all of those things, as well as how I encountered those in my work at the agency and like U.S. government in general. And kind of I throw in stories of that as well. So people have like a sense of kind of what I went through and what it looked like on that side and, you know, what it looks like on this side, too. Right, right. Because, you know, you do have the experience with the FBI and the CIA and there are probably secrets that you can't divulge. And I totally get that. And, you know, I don't know how impactful they are to anybody knowing or not knowing, but obviously it's stuff you can't talk about. And I appreciate that. So, but it's kind of neat that you have information, but you can also still help us in knowing the differences between what's real and what's not real and how to, how to counteract that. Because I like the one you did with all the news stations and you said it's one of the best graphs you've seen of all the different news stations that are either far right, far left, or just literally neutral and just try their best just to give you the news. Oh, yes. Yes. No, that's a really helpful chart. They actually update it relatively frequently as well. Okay. If I happen to be watching CNN or, or NBC and then I'm watching something on Fox because I've been football game with my husband, they're totally different than, you know, other stations. But then the other stations can be totally different than the other ones. So you don't know what's right, you know, and it's hard. And the unfortunate part is that most, like when you turn on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, any of those, for example, a lot of what you're getting are commentary, like on the news, as opposed to the actual news being reported. I mean, not all the time, but, you know, most of the time. And so that also hinders things with information flow as well for people. And there's a study done. I have to do a TikTok on this, but how many Americans, because of that, like constant exposure, have issues with identifying or delineating like opinion from fact or news. And I think it's because that exposure of that type of commentary all the time, you start thinking it's news and it makes it easy for disinformation and right. not saying disinformation is being spread through any of those news networks, just using that as an example. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're just listening to someone's opinion, like anybody's podcast or anyone's newscast and letting them just talk, I mean, I try to stay as neutral as possible because I interview everyone and anyone who interests me, whether you're, you know, a near-death experiencer, an ex-Mormon, whatever. I still stay neutral. The reason being is because 
It's not important. What's important is what you take away from it. I just want to report what happened to you. If I've got the kind of platform, that's a big responsibility and it's a disresponsibility of mine to do things like that for someone else. To expose them to my opinion, that's just not fair for them either. These people like you. These people trust you, you know? Yeah, I agree. And that's why even like on my TikTok channel, I try not to get political because it doesn't serve anybody if I'm sitting there like one sided on anything. And it it impacts everybody. And so I know I get a lot of flack for not taking a political side sometimes. And it's just that's not what this channel is about. And you know what, it's really no one's business in that respect. It's no one's business, how you feel about certain things. You know, that's a personal choice. The thing is, if you're getting the right information, you will find the right decision for yourself. Okay, so when are you wanting to publish your book? Is it coming out soon? Or are you still kind of working on it? I'm still working on it. I have an agent right now. And so I'm working on those details. I know, currently with like the publishing industry, they're delaying some things because of the pandemic. So it kind of got delayed a little bit. But once I have concrete details, like I will be publicizing that as well. Gotcha. And I'll add that in my show notes. But let me ask you this one last question. If, if you could give everybody just a message about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, you know, anything positive that maybe can come from this, because you did, you know, you lived in the area, you know, the languages, what is one thing that can take away from this? Oh, wow, that's a good question. There's so many things. It is inspiring to see a country like Ukraine fight back so hard as it should be. And I think people need to kind of remember that feeling in a sense of, they're fighting for what's right for them. And I think that gets lost a lot in translation and whatnot. And people try to politicize a lot of it, unfortunately. But it's just, you know, remembering that there are people that are not sitting comfortable on their couch watching Netflix. They're fighting every day for something they never thought or didn't expect they'd have to fight for. I think that brings the humanity back into the situation. And People forget that with war because they're like, oh, I can scroll and see it on TikTok and then watch a dancing video or something like that. It's it's like, no, for millions of people, Mm. millions of people, they are in the heat of it worrying about each moment. And right now, as we're all sitting here. So I think it's just important for people to remember and hopefully Russia backs off. Right. Well, you know, and you make a great point because and I actually do edit a video of several nations all people rallying for Ukraine and holding their flags and they put beautiful music to it. And it made you cry. It made me cry. And it's bringing a lot of other countries together that maybe we weren't so together before. You know, it's bringing us a whole new awareness about what goes on in another part of the world, how it's impacting people, what we can do to help. And and just it brings you're right, it brings humanity back. And my goodness, we were losing that, I think, for a while. So great message. That was a great point. So Lindsay, I am going to add all of your information, your um, disinformation gal. I've got a link. They'll see your new book when it releases. And you have been amazing. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. 
Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.